This is episode 30 of the Bob Lab Podcast. I had the pleasure of interviewing Joey Capone from the ITM Podcast. Alrighty, we got Joey Capone from Inside the Monster. So, Joey, what's up? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. Thanks for having me back on, man. It's ITM now. ITM doesn't stand ITM. for anything. ITM. Legally stands for absolutely nothing. Yeah, ITM. So, yeah. last time we talked, it was you know right right before the end of the World Series, and now a, f- a week or two before pitchers and catchers report. I'm excited for the season. So, you know, Joey, let's just start off by asking you, you know, if the if the if the Red Sox were done making moves right now, you know, how would you grade, you know, the offseason as a whole for the Boston Red Sox? Uh, well, first of all, I believe they are done. I think they are. <laughs> I think anything that you see from here on out is going to be uh, maybe a minor league signing here and there. We have seen one or two of those in the last week or so. And, uh, um, you know, maybe... Uh, so, some roster construction stuff. There's some guys who may or may not make the major league roster. Uh, there's some talk about Alfaro, Tapia, uh, a couple other fringe guys. Uh, so I, I think beyond that, I think it's safe to say they probably are done. I, I've i been pretty back and forth on how I feel about this offseason. I've tried not to be too critical, but there's some moments where it's hard not to. I think recently it was, I believe it was the Boston Strong account actually that tweeted just a, a really good visual representation of the offseason. It was just, here are the people who came in, here are the people who left. And when you look at it like that, it's hard not to uh, feel a certain way. And some of that is uh, the fan brain kicking in and, and feeling like, you know, you lost some guys that are close to you, guys that have been around for a bit, guys that were champions here. So, you know, obviously, obviously bogey is bogey. That's, that's the biggest one. But, you know, losing guys like JD and Avaldi and presumably Waka, uh, does suck as well. So uh, seeing those guys go out and the return that you got for them or the new guys that you got in their place, it's hard to give too high of a grade. I'm not I'm not one of these people who's giving them Ds and Fs. Uh, I don't think that they are in contention for the worst offseason in baseball. I, I really do like what they've done to the bullpen. I have hope for what this lineup can do. I would give this offseason a C plus, maybe even a soft B minus. Yeah, that, that's a solid rating. Um, you know, you, you were mentioning, you know, bogey, you know, it, it sucks. And you've said on your podcast, it's like, oh, explicit word <laughs> Yeah, when you lost him. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted this. I really wanted the Sox to, you know, get that big impact player, whether it had been, you know, a top end starter like Rodon or a top shortstop like, you know, Correa for, you know, a short, short term, you know, that it'd be cool if, you know, the Sox could get him on like a vesting deal, you know, but that, that was just crazy how that day went down. You know, he had uh Correa signing with the twins. And then two hours later it was announced story was out for, you know, how, how, however long he's going to be out. I don't know if he's going to, you know, play at all. And, you know, I think when you look at story, I think, the Red Sox should have definitely, you know, prepared better. I know Mondesi, Mondesi is, you know, he's a good player when healthy, but I, I know he's only played over 100 games once in his career, and I think up over 75 once in his career too. That was 2018 or 19. So yeah. I think y- you never know how he's going to pan out. I'd like to see him in a Royal Platoon in – at second base, but I my point is basically, I, I think the Red Sox should have definitely addressed the middle infield much more, or much better. I think 
they should have gotten an impact player. And a lot of a lot of the question marks that I had at the start of the offseason still remain. Um, so uh, I'm I'm a little bit more of a harsher grader. You know, I I personally don't give like C plus, D plus, F minus, or mm-hmm. I don't get minuses or plus. So I just say D. Just make it simpler. You know, yes, you did get Devers, but I think I think that just that and then the bullpen is what's keeping it from an F. You know? Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's worth praising them over Devers. I don't think it, like they should get any props yeah. for signing Ownership. Devers. Because I think they should just yeah. I, I just as a team, it's like, yes, that's exactly what should happen. Like I think the the Yankees are getting unfairly really highly graded for this offseason because they retained Judge. It's like, well, yeah, you retained your best player. You should do that. So when people are giving props to the Sox and saying like, oh, like at least they got Devers. They didn't get Devers. They retained Devers. So that's not improving your team. It's just maintaining. Uh, And if you look at the offseason as a whole, they didn't improve anywhere other than the bullpen. Uh, And it seemed like the bullpen was their first priority. And they did go out of their way. They added a lot of pieces. They were willing to part ways with some guys like Matt Barnes, uh, Salamora, a couple other guys. And, uh, that felt like um, intentional improving of an area of your team, whereas the middle infield and the outfield and even your rotation all felt like patching holes. And unfortunately for the Sox, those holes kind of kept springing up because it at first it was like, Okay, we need uh, you know, a, a new middle infielder or we need an outfielder, like we'll move somebody around, but we got story and and whatever, we should be fine. And then when the story news broke, it's just another hole that you have to patch. And so it never felt like they they improved in in those aspects. It was just patching holes. And as much as you can feel some sympathy for them that like, oh, they didn't see that coming and that sucks, that's a tough one to take. Story's elbow has been an issue. Like it should have been something that they were ready for, that they were prepared to have happen that he might be out for an extended period of time during some point of a long contract, especially when every other team during free agency last year was hesitant to give him a long deal because of his elbow issues. So I didn't like that. They framed it like it was some shocker that they were, you know, taken off guard and, and like, Oh, he we didn't even know about this until the off season. So he started picking up throwing again because at the end of the year, he said he felt better than ever. No, you should have seen through that. You should have known that was coming. Is it fair to say like you should have expected him to be out for presumably an entire season? No, but you should have had things in place. You shouldn't have to go and get, like you said, a guy who's played 75 games in the last two years combined to or 55 games, I think it is, in the last two years oh, combined uh, to to get out there and, and be you know, like a, a piece of duct tape that's trying to keep your ship afloat. Uh, so it, it is fair to, to, to point to that as like a, a way they really did fail this offseason. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but, but yeah, it's, it's certainly not how you want your team to build. Yeah. Uh, to the point you were saying before, I think a good way to classify, you know, all these other guys is, you know, you're, you're exchanging dice, you know, it's still the same odds, but you're just changing the pair of dice. Um, you know, yeah. Trevor's story, you know, it, I'm, Bloom was like, oh, yeah, we didn't see this coming. Yes, you did. You know, it doesn't, you don't just go to the doctors and the doctors say, oh, yeah, you need surgery. That takes, that takes like weeks and weeks of preparation. They knew this. Because one of my friends, one of my friend's fathers is a, 
uh, he does that type of stuff. And he's like, there's a whole procedure we he has his, you know, patients go through to get ready for the surgery. So the Red Sox knew about story like a few weeks in advance. Well, you know, like you said, I am trying there. There's a lot of optimistic things, you know, Yoshida. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see um, Turner. I'm excited to see how the bullpen pans out. Um, but the, the, the main thing that, um, I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, is the way they handled the 40 man. I think you can definitely agree with some, with some of me, uh, some of my logic here. I know you talked about Ryan Brazier and how he's, you know, still on this team, Caleb Ort. you know, when you look at, you know, uh, guys who've been DFA, you know, Hosmer, um, Brazier, or not, not Brazier, Matt, ba- Matty Backpacks, you know, what, what sense of direction do you get from this front office? If you get, uh, if, if any. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it can be kind of hard to see because it is a, a bit of a strange direction. I really do believe, I hope this goes without saying, but I think that there are some people who actually need to hear this. I do believe Haim has the team's best interest at heart. I really do believe he believes in what he's doing. Okay, so if anybody thinks he's out here like sabotaging the team, like I, he's not doing that. He really is doing the best thing that he thinks. But that being said, I think that his way of assessing what's best is heavily, heavily based on expected metrics. And Matty Barnes talked a little bit about that recently, um, that that was kind of the conversation that he had with Haim when he was DFA'd, is that they looked a lot at um, his projected numbers, and his expected statistics versus what he actually did. So I think that's what's keeping Brazier afloat. I think that there really is some hope that the, they think his expected numbers, his FIP, his whatever, uh, is more promising. And they think that if you just keep touting him out there, that he's going to perform better than he has. I can't really speak to that. I think it's really hard to put a lot of value into expected numbers, but it has worked for Haim in the past. There's, you know, it's easy to point out where he's failed. And a lot of that has been in in trades here, but in signings, in the in the in the vast majority of cases, he has taken guys and gotten more out of them than expected, or than expected by the by the public anyway. So, I am really anxious to see what Brazier brings to the table because he's the main guy, right? Like Ort, Ort, I think it's whatever. I don't really know if I see him actually pitched in for this team. Wyatt Mills is another guy who's still on the 40 man as of this moment, but I don't know if we're actually good. There must be something there. Uh, the other things that he's done, Haim has done this offseason, are strange because there is so much building for the future. We hear it over and over from him about you know sustainability and remaining in championship contention and how winning solves everything and blah, blah, blah. So it is really weird to sign only guys who are 34 and up and only sign them to two-year deals. That is very odd. That is screaming gap year or gap years. And uh, yeah. I really do believe that that's the case. If I was, you know, gun to my head, like, I think if you really got Heim alone in a room and maybe had, you know, a couple of adult beverages with Heim Bloom and really said, like, man, tell me, what, what's going on here? I think that he would say, 2023, we're, we're trying to get people back on board. We're trying to get people in the building. 2024, we are staying afloat. We are trying to get the guys ready to come up here. And 2025 is when we're expecting to see Mayor. We're expecting to see uh, maybe Miguel Blaze. I don't, he's, he's real young too. So, but like you're starting to see your prospects flower. 
I really believe that their mentality right now is get people in the building, get people excited, have make some headlines, make some kind of splash and hold over until you can really contend once your prospects blossom into something, which is a lot of hope to put in some kids who oh, are yeah. 19, 20 years old. Oh, absolutely. You know, Blaze, you know, I've been reading about him. You know, he's, he is a project, but he has a high ceiling. He is, um, he, there's, if he develops correctly, you know, he's going to be a superstar. That's what they're saying. Um, but, you know, to your point, you know, this is a gap year. If this is a gap year, it's a very risky thing. Why? Because you can't bank on Marcelo Meyer. You can't put all eggs in one basket. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because he's just a prospect at the end of the day. Yes, we want him to do well. We want him to become the next Corey Seager. We want him to be, you know, the next Ted Williams, which I think he will. Um, but the reality is that doesn't happen all the time. And I think back in 1991, I think the Yankees selected Brian Taylor with the first overall pick, and he was poised to be the next best thing since Nolan Ryan. And the guy got hurt in a fight in a bar and he was arrested and he never pitched a single inning of major league baseball. And you know, the Yankees took him over a guy named Manny Ramirez. So you can't always, you can't always bank on those things to happen. And I want I want this team right now to find success, but they they've gotta they've gotta pull a 2013 Red Sox right now. It's not 2018. It's not 2007. This is 20. This is 2013. You know, uh, yeah. They gotta connect. And the one point I actually wanted to make right now, um, this roster is kind of similar to 2021 on opening day. Let me read you some of the guys who made the roster for a second. Matt Andres. Darwin's in Hernandez, Austin Bryce, uh, Martin Perez, Garrett Richards, Hirokazu Saramora, Phillips Valdez, uh, who else? Bobby Dahlbeck, Mar- Marwin Gonzalez, Ronchi Cordero, Hunter Renfro. All guys you're rolling dice with. And, you know, a lot of those guys panned out for the first half. You know, Renfro turned out to be a great player. And I think... My point is simply, you know, you're banking on something like that in 2013 to happen this year. You know, I, I, I have a hard time finding this team's going to be winning 90 or more wins. But, you know, you know, I think this goes into my next question. You know, could you see this team winning 90 games and making a, a playoff spot? I know that's that's very that's very that's not that open ended, but your thoughts on that? It's tough. That's tough. I I really don't know. I think the Sox are really going to benefit from less divisional games this year. I think that's yeah. something. I think the less you play Toronto, the better, because they're playing them what fourteen times now. You play your division fourteen times. Yep. Uh, I mean, if they can squeak five six wins against Toronto, that'd be sick. Because I, I they really have the Sox number. So I don't know. I think that they'll benefit from that. That'll help their record a bit. Uh it's tough. Um, the thing is, I, I'm i interested to see a year with a strong bullpen because this is presumably a pretty strong bullpen. So uh, that will be a comfort blanket that I don't think we've had in a little bit, or at least not this past year. So I think if you have really strong pitching, you always have a shot at winning. Uh, I don't know what this team's offensive production is going to be like, especially because you are so thin that one or two injuries is going to screw you. You know, if Verdugo goes down, 
And that I mean, that's a that's a weird one because he's like never spent any time on the IR. <laughs> I actually disagree. I actually disagree. That would be a huge one because he's the guy who can play 150 games for you. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, he's he's literally never taken a stint on the IR since he's been in, in, or on the IL since he's uh, since he's been with the Sox. So it, he would, it would be very strange. And he did just like play through an injury last year. But if if Chugi goes down and if Arroyo goes down, like what does your team look like? Do you have you know Jaron Duran out there, and then who is your other middle infielder? You know it gets really thin, really, really quick. So, as much as having pitching is going to help you, you still got to manufacture some offense. Like you can't just rely on your seven man rotation. I guess that they're like <laughs> kind of half running right now. That they say is going to be down to five, uh, and also a bullpen to keep you to keep your opponent to one two runs a game. Like it doesn't happen every game. So. I think I think it's going to be weird, and there, there's a lot of question marks offensively. We don't know what Yoshi really looks like. He's never played Major League Baseball. We don't know. You don't know what a 38 year old Justin Turner is going to bring to you. You don't know what Duvall is going to bring to you. Uh, Mondesi, how much does he play? How much can he contribute? So, uh, I have a I have a tough time putting 90 wins on their plate when I don't see a lot of offensive production. At all, I mean, you just lost. Let's let's say stories out for the whole year, right? Because that's like pretty safe. That wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me. So you've now lost your number two, three, and five home run hitters from last year, and like you were what twenty fourth in home runs as a team last year, something like that. Good, not good. So and and you just lost all them, and you didn't really add a power bat. So I mean, you can argue Turner, but I mean. Can you or Duvall? Yeah, I mean, you, you can argue it, but I mean, again, they're both older guys. Like it happens. Like nobody expected JD Martinez to have fifteen or fourteen last year, whatever it was. So uh, it happens. People do fall off, and new ballparks, new team, blah 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 blah. I don't think ninety is super realistic. I think with the expanded playoff, they might be able to sneak in with eighty five. It's a tough division. It's a tough league. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think 90 might be a little out of reach. Look, the the Sox do have the upper hand because they're playing the division less, like you said, 14 games each. Mm-hmm. But you got to look at the uh, division right now. I think it's still very competitive. You have the Baltimore Orioles who are only getting better with their young prospects and their young core. And their already major league ready core is only going to get better. Um, the Blue Jays, you could argue we're a much better team because they got Bassett and they got Varsho, even though they lost to Oscar Hernandez, but um, then they added to the bullpen Yankees. Oh, that's the other point I wanted to make. Yeah. The Yankees, the Yankees had a terrible off season. Awful. You know, they got, they got judge was a lateral move. He's going to be good for two years. And then, you know, Hal's going to, Hal, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hal Steinbrenner is going to look at this contract and be like, what am I doing? Because what what bad, what long term contract is good for the Yankees? And then they got Rodon, who who is he's injury prone and he's making what I don't know, just north of twenty million a year. Yeah. So, but they're, my point is simply, you know, even though they had a bad off season, they're still good. They're still good. Yeah, I think the I think the Yankees and the Jays, you could argue one versus the other for the top spot in the division. Uh, I think. Like you said, the Yankees didn't get better, but I don't think they really needed to. 
But I, I think what's gone overlooked is that the Rays got worse. The Rays, yeah, actually, the Rays lost a hmm. lot of pieces and added very few. So, I mean, they have a knack for, I don't know if you know this, they have a knack for just like pumping out great players. Out I system. know that. So, uh, as much as I'm saying like, yeah, they lost a bunch of guys, they could just like pull up the top 10 prospects in baseball and I'm not aware of it. And then they just, you know, are somehow, you know, a hundred win team again. But uh, I, I think on paper, at least right now, it's hard to say that the Rays had, or the Rays got better. I think they got worse. So if you know, the, the, the Orioles are kind of whatever, they're going to probably be similar with you. The Rays are, might be similar to you. I think it's not crazy to think that this team could be fighting for third place rather than fourth this year. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you said on paper, you know, the Red Sox on paper have a good team. I will say that. On paper, they're probably, you know, third in the AL East, maybe eke out a third wildcard spot, but that's on paper. We we really don't know because that's just on paper. And then you said, you know, the Rays, they didn't add anyone except for, you know, Scott Eflin. Yeah. And that, that kind of... And, the other thing they, I think they had a decent off season, and I'll tell you why. The, I don't know if you saw, no, you definitely have seen, you know, uh, passing and his like. He always tweets out, you know, Yandy Diaz. You know, they they pay for arbitration years with you know Diaz, Fairbanks, Springs. You know, they're paying all arbitration years and buying, investing in free agency years. So, and they they do have a lot of young guys coming up. And I always make the joke that you know you can get grab a. You know, homeless man on the street, and then he'll he'll be a great you know arm for the the Rays bullpen. So, yeah, they got some secret sauce crazy. underneath Tropicana or something. I think maybe maybe it's the orange juice. They could very well just be pumping them full of Tropicana, and it, it's doing something to them. It works. Whatever's going on down there, it 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 works. Look, I'm going there this summer. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I can get employed. So hey, well, best of luck to you, man, going there. Thank you. Thank it's you. not uh not exactly a palace. No, it's not. No. No, I've had friends who've gone there, but uh, off topic. But mm-hmm. as I was saying, you know, you might be better than the Rays. You might be better than the Orioles. But you can make cases to say that you're a, a last place team. But you could also make cases to say that you're a third place team. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what happens when you have a ton of, que- of question marks. Because, I mean, it's not even just injury related. It's just performance related. You know, and, and it's both. When you have both question marks. <laughs> sorry. When you have question marks on, on both sides of the aisle there, uh, it's really, really hard to be sure of like what your team's going to be. Because, I mean, even just look at your rotation, dude. There are three massive question marks in your rotation. Like, Chris Sale has not pitched in a long time. James Paxton has not pitched in quite some time. And Corey Kluber, you just don't know what you're going to get from. So, between injury and age and rests or rust there's question marks right there and then the all the all the performance based question marks it's really really hard to project what this team's going to be like i'm trying to just remain optimistic about it i think i think we'll know soon enough i think that like the first couple months will be a good tell of what kind of team they're going to be the rest of the way uh i don't think this team is deep enough to climb out of a hole so if by you know the end of may early june you know you're 10 games back you're probably not climbing back into a playoff spot but if if they can if they come out to a hot start i think this team can maintain especially if you do get story back which again you can't put any stock into that either i don't know where he'd fit 
honestly, because I don't know if he, if he's going to come back. Is he going to throw? I don't know. Uh, you, I don't you know stick how this him, You stick him at second. You stick him at second? Yeah. yeah. He, but... You put him in over Arroyo, and I love Arroyo. He's such a good guy, and he's also mm-hmm. just like he's a dog, and he deserves to get all the time that he can mm-hmm. on a major league field, and I hope that he gets to play a whole year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they, well, they yeah, shoehorn Trevor Story in anywhere. When you're paying a guy that much, you, you put him in. Well, yeah, I mean, you make a good point, you know. They they want to they're gonna stick him in because yeah you pay the guy a lot of money so that that you know makes me think they're gonna wait till he's a hundred hundred percent and you know not just able to play DH like you remember in 2019 Shohei you know mm-hmm. he had Tommy John and then you know they stuck him at DH I thought I thought that's a possibility but I've asked you know people like Merloni and forget who else you know they're, they're like no they're, they're gonna they're they're not gonna rush him they won't rush him this is the other thing they won't rush mm-hmm. him if they know the socks aren't gonna make it far that that's the thing it depends where they're at you know if they're exactly if it's late august and stories 80 90 percent and he wants to go and the team doctors say that he's good to go which they probably would because they just do that they say yeah. they say that players are ready to play even though they're not ready to play uh and they're, you know, right in the wild card hunt. I think you might stick him in. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they are so devoted to the idea of like letting him get to a hundred percent. I think it's the right thing to do. I don't know if they do it though, especially if there's a chance to contend because this front office is so aware and they've let you know how aware they are that being in the postseason just fixes everything. It just fixes everything. Like, Think of 2021 outside of the playoffs. Like that year wasn't spectacular. There were so many times like people said they were done and then they had to sweep at uh, in Washington at the end of the year and they made it into the playoffs by two games and then still had to have the one game wild card. Like they are they were only there because of that hot stretch right at the end and then got yeah. two games away from the World Series. But when we think about 2021, the first thing we all say is two games away from the World Series. Because that's the memorable stuff, and that's what made the headlines, and that's what gets the the interest back up in the team. So if there's a chance for them to make the postseason, they go all out. I think they they would put Story in there with one arm. I mean, they kind of have done that before. They they left De- Devers out there. They left Bogarts out there. Like They left Doogie out there. When there's a chance, they fire away. They, they want October baseball at Fenway. No, absolutely. And when you look at when you look at the Phillies too, that's an interesting case. You know, the Phillies were overall, they were a mediocre team. Yeah. They weren't anything spectacular. You know, you just got to make the dance, you know? And look, they were what, two wins away from the World Series? I'm blanking. Yeah, the two right. wins away from winning it all. Yeah. Yeah, two wins away from winning it all, so you know, you just got to make it. And then, you know, you you man- you mentioned the point. You know, 2021, we we think, you know, two wins away two wins away from making the world series well let let's take a trip down memory lane for a second you know at the after the all-star break you know after the sticky stuff you know your pitching sucked mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just gonna say it your pitching sucked oh yeah and there, there there are games where you absolutely needed to win that you just didn't win for example you need to win one out of three against new york at fenway and then before stanton decided to be you know barry bonds you know i, I oh my god i freaking hated that but mm-hmm. my point is simply we the Red Sox really haven't been anything good in a half of a season since the first half of 2021, and that's ironically when the Red Sox had a closer. That's the other thing. It you know, is how I much mean, is 
the thing is, last year, up till basically the end of June, they were on like a 92-win pace, which is yeah. which is odd, which is crazy to kind of think about because they did fall apart so hard, and like it was really only that way because June was so good. Uh, but, I mean, they, you know, uh, in terms of a half-year pace last year, did have that, but uh, it didn't really feel like it because the second half overshadowed it so, so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm excited for this bullpen in general, but having a solid closer is just such a nice comfort blanket to not have to think, okay, who's coming in and whatever. And I, I don't care for people ragging on Kenley before he's pitched here. He's the save leader last year. Like, how about we just like have some faith? I think some of it comes from uh, Braves fans and like uh, other like Dodgers fans, like people who saw him implode sometimes. And think that that's all he does. Because that's what every reliever gets, especially closers. There's just like a certain treatment of like, well, if you blow a game, then we hate you. <laughs> it's not fair. I'm, I'm yeah. excited for Kenley. I have high hopes for Kenley. My, oh, I do too. You know, but the th- main thing I have is, you know, pitch clock, pitch clock, pitch clock, pitch clock. You know, my friend said, you know, you can make a ham sandwich in between pitches. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Before the pitch clock, so. It's going to be, it's going to be tough across the league. I think two, three weeks from now. Pitchers and catchers are there. Guys are throwing. Maybe some sim games. And then, you know, start to really apply the pitch clock. I think we're going to hear league-wide about how many guys are struggling on every single pitching staff. I think there's going to be headlines that are like, this entire pitching staff on Team X is really struggling. And then you're going to hear like, oh, like the Marlins are adapting well, but there's one guy who's really struggling uh, that I think it's going to be a really, really big story. And Steve Peralt, my co-host on ITM, made a great point, which was there are guys who are not starting this year on time, you know, that are hurt or whatever. When they have to come back a month in, two months in, four months in, and everybody's adjusted and they're not, those guys are going to struggle. So, I mean, I'm happy that Kenley gets the time now to adjust I hope that he's already doing it because he really needs it. Cause I think he was actually dead last in time between pitches last year. So uh, I'm glad that he's healthy enough to be, you know, on time, but uh, I have, I have faith that, that people will for the most part adapt. I think it's going to be the younger guys um, that, that have more trouble with it, especially guys who are like maybe making like major league debuts and stuff. Um, you know, having to deal with that pressure on top of a brand new pitch clock. I think that's where you're going to see it the most. Yeah, I, mean, I think the younger guys actually have the advantage because, you know, they've been using it in the minors all, all last season, too. That's the other thing. You know, I think they're used to it. And then the major leaguers are going to have to adapt because, you know, they, they like to take their sweet, sweet time. You know, yeah. I, 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 and if a guy's, you know, pitching super slow, I go, Come on, Dolis. Because I remember, you remember how the Blue Jays, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Hey, I'm I'm just ready for this season. I don't know about you. Oh, me too. I'm just excited. You know, I, I know I talk talk uh, a potty word a lot about the Red Sox right now, but overall, I, I'm excited. I just want baseball. Yeah, it's crazy to think there's gonna be baseball next month at Fenway. That is huh? that is very crazy, especially when. Here in New Hampshire, it was negative 40 like three days ago. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited. I'm ready for it, man. I just need the summer. I need the sun back. So 
I'm I'm really excited for for uh, baseball in general, particularly the Sox. I think that the hate around the Sox right now is really gonna fall back to balance. You know, come back to center a little bit once the team gets going. Even if they're off to a tough start, I just having them back, seeing them play, new faces, guys uh, appeasing themselves to the fan base. I, I I think this team has a lot of climbing to do, but I have faith that they're going to do it. Yeah, I do too, you know. And the World Baseball Classic, I want to mention that too. So I'm excited, and that's going to be fire. Yeah, I it's so weird, the timing of it, because it feels like it's going to really interfere with spring training, especially when this is a year where there are multiple rule changes that are pretty influential, you know, being the shift and the pitch clock. So I think it is kind of weird that guys are going to be playing in this uh, tournament where those rules are not implemented and then have to immediately come back and try to implement them. It seems like it might throw some of that off. Maybe I'm putting too much stock in the rule changes, but I've heard players talk about it and I've heard them say how much they hate it. So I'm putting as much stock in it as they are. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm very excited to see it's a little, it's a little bit of a bummer that that story is not going to be out there too. I was excited to see him represent team USA, but, uh, yeah, I, I really debated going down to Miami and catching some uh, Team DR stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Kike, I heard he's playing center field a little bit for uh, Puerto Rico, I think. Yeah. And, you know, is that going to mess with him playing shortstop? Who knows? It's odd. You know? It's definitely odd. You'd think that he would maybe request to play shortstop, but I don't know who's the shortstop for Team Puerto Rico. They've got to have somebody, so. No, they have someone, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're loaded. I, I Ho Ramirez? I don't know. Might be. I don't know. But Joey, one last question before you leave. Sure. You know, opening opening day score prediction. What do opening you got? Opening day score prediction. I mean, it's First at the Orioles at Fenway. Yeah, it's at Fenway. First of all, a question to you: Who's your opening day starter? Um, it's gonna be if Sale doesn't fall off a bike, Sale. Probably Sale. It feels yeah. like uh, it's an obvious answer, but I don't know if it is. I don't know. I could, I could see, I could see uh, Pavetta. I could also see, you know, Bayo or yeah. What if it's Bayo? What if it's Whitlock? I don't know. There's just there's a I, there's just not a clear ace, which is fun, which is always good. They say that's a good thing to have. Uh, opening day score. It's going to be cold. Going to be a low scoring one. I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say 3-1 socks. I'm going to say 2-1 socks. Yoshida hits a walk-off home run. Wow. I love that. It's going to be 0-0 in the ninth, right? We're going to go extra innings. The Warriors will score the stupid runner on second rule. And then Yoshida, Yoshida is going to hit a walk-off home run. I love that. You heard it from me first. You heard it from me first. If that happens... You'll be the first person I call. That'll be crazy. If if you nailed that, you'll be hearing from me. I may have seen the script, so. <laughs> All righty, Joey. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure, man. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. All righty. Go check out Joey on Twitter. I'll link it in the description of this podcast. And, you know, go Sox.